Hello and welcome to a special edition of Money Matters. I'm here with Jennifer Stone and we're going to try to do a little bit of a back and forth, if you will. Maybe more of an interview type of thing, but also uh, we'll get to hear some of the wisdom from Jennifer as well. Uh, and, and in the second hour, you're particularly going to hear from Jennifer. But we've done this for a long time. I've talked about it repeatedly that, the, that I have the 10 investment commandments. Now, they're my commandments. It doesn't mean that you have to follow them yourself, and they're not really in any particular order, except I would have to say the first couple are definitely right up there. But uh, with that, Jennifer, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I always love doing this, and it's even more fun when we can just go back and forth here at the office and get a good recording going. Perfect. So over the years, you and I have talked so many times about your investing commandments. The first one, and I think this hits home to everyone, is what you know isn't worth knowing. Explain what you mean by that. Sure. I, it's not meant to be insulting, and I know everybody takes a pause at that. They t- take a step back, and they're always concerned, like, well, what do you mean? I, I, I study hard. I work hard at understanding things. And the reality is, is that they forget that things are priced in. It's like uh, we, we come to the end of a year, for example, when you're um, – there's tax loss selling, and so things will sell off. Well, that used to work very well to buy companies that were down at the end of the year, getting ready for a New Year's rally because everybody had already sold out that was going to sell out to take a tax loss. Well, then that moved on into November and then October, and forget it, it all disappeared because traders front run it. So those types of things where it's all priced into the market, you think, well, this company is going to have great earnings is what you think. And you, you think that because there's this buzz around Wall Street that, the, that they're going to have great earnings, better than expected earnings. And then you're surprised when they announce better than expected earnings to see the stock decline. You shouldn't be because it's already priced in. What we know is already well priced in. You know, it's like oil, heating oil going up in the winter. Duh. But you know what people did? They actually went on, they, they, they finally shut them down. They were just a batch of crooks uh, in the futures market. They used to run these ads 30-some years ago to get people to invest in heating oil futures because in the winter, heating oil goes up. It was incredibly like a no-brainer. It's all priced in. And, it, and, you, and when heating oil goes up in the winter and you don't make money, you shouldn't be surprised. You know, it's funny. I think when I uh, first started working with you a few years ago, um, I remember when Viagra first came out with Pfizer. And I still remember someone coming in, and they were so proud of themselves because they bought Pfizer. But after Viagra was announced, it was off and running. But they knew they had the best buy ever. Apparently, they had personal experience. (laughs) (laughs) Because that one was a a total no-brainer. Of course, it's priced in. The stock had already doubled. Because this was going to be a blockbuster. So I, 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 I agree with you. I think it's just, it is funny how people can react and think that they know things that are not already priced mm-hmm. into the market. It's, it's really, that is one of the critical elements and why I really do lead off that thought because it makes me pause to say, what do I think I know that might already be priced in? It's really, it's really something that I think about before every, every single trade. Right, right. And even on not just trading, people, I had a client come in and say, you know there's inflation, right? 
<laughs> you know, things that yeah. people just don't you think about. It's like, why do you think that now that has something more than it did before? Exactly. It is funny, right? It's almost in everything in life. It is. It absolutely is. No question about it. All right. So number two, mm-hmm. don't overtrade. Yeah, this is a hard one for people. It's really hard. I learned from the very best in the industry years ago, and that's, of course, John Templeton, Warren Buffett, Peter Lynch, Michael Price. They have low turnover in their portfolios. They don't believe in trading a lot. It's not that we're right all the time. You just, you sometimes the hardest thing to do is get rid of a loser. It, it is. So you should trade out of your losers. That's, there's no question about that. But when you're over-trading, you're, you're simply commanding yourself to be right more often than is actually possible. And when we think about this, it's really an important thing to recognize that when you are trading, you're going up against other people who are selling at the same time or buying it, uh, an opposite position. Smart people. And, and, and they are thinking, uh, looking at it in a different way. And when you overtrade, I, I, I just saw this article today, actually, it was, it was interesting, that just in the past year, just in the past year, or past decade, excuse me, 17% of the gains, according to Morningstar, were lost by poor, dis- poor timing decisions by mutual fund investors. Not a good idea. So the more we trade, the more we think about getting in and out of positions instead of leaving them alone, it opens us up to have all those problems. So just to get it straight too, when you, how do people decide what does it mean to overtrade, right? So you say don't overtrade. Well, does that mean you set price targets? Because we hear that all the time. If I just yep. set a stop loss or whatever, I can keep from losing. What does it mean by don't overtrade? Right, good point. I don't have a particular problem with um, something like trailing stops or something like that. And what I mean by trailing stops is, is as a company goes up in price, if you are, are concerned about it having a sudden drop, then you can put stops in. But uh, what we've also found in history that you get the worst trade of the day if something really, really goes wrong. You get the worst trade of the year is what you get. It's really bad. So we really have to be somewhat cautious with that. And uh, that's really a, a heck of an issue for, for traders. When, when we're really saying don't overtrade, it doesn't mean don't be afraid to sell those losers. It just means don't be trading and think you, you want to move from Apple to Google and go on to Amazon. We want to own companies. And as long as the outlook is reasonable uh, going forward, don't force yourself into these trade decisions. Even in IRAs, people often talk about the tax hit but you don't have that in an IRA. So people think they can trade there. And the reality is most of your trades, most of your trades, most of my trades are not good trades. You're buying things that keep going down or they don't go up much. It's those rare home runs that carry the whole portfolio. And that's why I always stress and talk about that you need to have multi-baggers, you need to own Apple, you needed to own Google, you need to own Amazon, and XYZ in the future, you don't trade them. That's what I mean. Got it. Good, good. All right, we talk about this frequently, but it is so important. Don't succumb to your emotions. Yes, because trading and investing is all about emotions. And if you want to refresh that, we talked greatly about that last week in that podcast because that is exactly the heart of it if we don't behave correctly we can't win 
people sell at the wrong times, they buy at the wrong times. It is a, you know, we, we always called it fear and greed, and, and, and to a, an extent it is. But it's also, we think we're being very rational in our fear because we know a lot of stuff, right? We know a lot of facts about how bad it is. We watch news, we hear the radio, we hear these things, and we take too much in, and it really gets our minds and our emotions all wound up. And I see it all the time. It is really important to put, to, to put a check on it. Uh, I'll give you an example right now this week. We've, we've talked about it this past couple of weeks. The market just looks terrible. I mean, it looks terrible. It really does. And, and it's just one of those things where you just go, it doesn't matter. And then all of a sudden the market goes up a couple hundred points. And it's, it's okay again. It's not that it's okay, but you watch the attitudes on a CNBC before the market opens. Futures are up, and everybody's pretending to be optimistic and that they were always long all the time. They ended the last day because it was down with their chins on their desk. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things, and it's not going to get any better. And then they wake up in the morning, and they're all happy. We have to watch that in, 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 in all of us and not let the fear drive uh, what our investment decisions are. But how do you do that? I mean, because you're one of the most optimistic people I know. Do you ever or have you ever felt like, oh, I don't know, maybe it's not going to get better? Yeah, I do. I feel that way politically sometimes. Um, I want to know where Ronald Reagan is again, right? It really bothers me what's going on, and, and, and I mean this sincerely. Uh, both parties, to me, just disgust me. Uh, I think there's great people in the Republican Party. I have a hard time finding anybody in the Democratic Party that is, but... Um, that's just my honest opinion, and, 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 but, but I, I am disgusted that we can't come up with better candidates than Biden and Trump. I mean, they, they alienate more than half the country, both of them do, and this is our choice. We have 340 million people in this country, and this is what we come up with. Our two blowhards or a non-thinker and, and a blowhard, this, this, this stuff upsets me, and I do get very upset. And uh, I, but I am optimistic, and what I, what, I, what I continue to do is I continue to read about new developments and how the economy continues to roll and, and innovation and humankind. The, the exponential growth in technology now is just people just don't grasp it. I just don't think they do. Um, how far we've come since the iPhone came out. And this, is, this exponential means that the next doubling of technology is through the roof. It's crazy. And so we do have to be aware that the world is getting better, even though we feel like it's getting worse. In some ways, our country is different. It's divided. And we, but we've been here before, and I tell myself that. And so I, it helps when I digest positive. Like right now, I'm continuing to listen to the rational optimist. Okay, It was written 10 years ago. I can listen six more times to it because it's important. It's filled with data, but more importantly, just reminding me that things really are getting better. And it wasn't great, especially for women and minorities a few, just a few years ago. It's great now. It's not perfect, but it's great. And it's getting better all the time. And more and more people live with greater abundance, greater health care. And we, I just have to count my blessings, and that helps. For sure. And, you know, interesting, too, is personally, see, these are all feelings that you have mm -hmm. personally. But the one thing you always say, and it's true, it doesn't change how many iPhones Apple's going to make and sell. Companies, great corporations, always find ways to make money. doesn't really matter who's in office. It doesn't really matter who is up there yelling and screaming today or tomorrow. They find ways, correct? Yeah, yeah. 
It's a very good point, and it is. And it, it's very important for us to separate that out. And so one of the things that you reminded me, too, was thinking about that is it was so terrible in, in early 2009. Alluded to this on the last program we did. Um, it was so terrible. And at that point, I made a decision that it was done worrying about it, thinking about it, staked in the ground. We're not selling here, not at these prices, period. End of story. It all goes away, does whatever it does, but I don't need to be looking and grinding on it every day. And I remember sharing on the radio uh, program during that time this, these same thoughts, but also during that time for people to be thinking about this. I've opened up my statements, and it's just crushing to see it. I don't know what to do. It freezes me. I don't know what to do. And I had a caller, and she called in, and I said, just don't open your statements. It was just off the cuff. Then don't open your statements if it bothers you so much. She called back a year later. I didn't know. And she said, you probably won't remember this, but you told me a year before to not open the statements. And she got emotional. Because she opened it, and it saved her. That is fantastic. That's not putting your head in the sand. That's knowing yourself. So it was a big moment for me to think about and understand in investing why emotions are such a problem for us. Most people can't, so don't look all the time. That's really part two. Every, all of our clients can go on and look at their accounts every single day. Some do, and they're not doing themselves any favors. They're not. And everyone knows what the market's done for the day, right? Everywhere you go, yep. the Dow's up, this and that. Yep. So why do you have to look at your account just to make yourself feel as bad as you think you will? Yeah. Right? There's just no point to it. You're just confirming what you already know. Right, right. Right? Yep. So good. Now i got to go grab another glass of wine. <laughs> Makes no sense. Yeah. All right, I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and grab a quick break, break here, Jen. And uh, when we come back, let's, let's keep clicking through uh, 10 Investment Commandments. Hello, welcome back to Money Matters. I'm Jennifer Stone, today with Dave Petso. And this is obviously a recording. We are going to be doing these periodically throughout the year, but I will be live next week. So we are walking through today the 10 Investment Commandments. These are Dave's commandments, but I agree with every single one of them. But they are his. He created them a long time ago, and we thought it would be a good day to refresh them. So next one is don't trick yourself into thinking that information is wisdom. This is, a, this is an interesting one to me because I've, I've thought about this a lot. Okay, so, we, so many people, and this is true of everything in our life. It is so true. We have to guard ourselves on everything. So when we are thinking about do I have information? Do I have knowledge? Do I have just simple data? Okay? So you really think of this progression, all right? Data is just the noise you hear off the TV, radio, blogs, whatever. Most people don't think that's data. They think it's information. But normally it's just data because you really don't have a context to put it in. You're not studied in the markets. You don't understand that where what information is important. So most people, for most subjects, just get data. They really don't have the right context. Then we move over to information. And information is when you have an understanding of what that means, right? When they're talking about currencies and things like that, you understand what that might mean. So we hear so much of this data 
that people think is information about a digital currency and all this stuff when there's really no thought into it and nobody understands currencies anyway. It doesn't matter how bad you are if you're the best in the bad neighborhood. Everybody uses your currency. That's the way it is. So the United States is a basket case. Okay, name a better basket case in the world, okay? So what I'm saying is data with no con, or, or I'm sorry, information with no context is just data. Now we move to information, we have context, we understand these things a little bit. We have knowledge is next where you really can put it in a whole stream of terms and understanding and where it would fit actually in your whole portfolio, your whole, whole thoughts. Maybe you think some a stock is cheap because you understand price to earnings ratios and how quickly the growth of the company is and so on. You've reached that level. It's still not even close to wisdom. And that's what we have to understand. We have to think that getting information is not wisdom. Wisdom is deep thought. It's rare. It's rare to have insight into things. It's when you're just sitting around thinking about things and all you've done is you've gotten great knowledge, great information from great thinkers, and it sits and it sits and it sits and it sits, and you can come up with some decisions in your life. That's rare. Wisdom is rare. It's rare in individuals, and it's rare in timing for uh, investments. I mean, it's just not something you do, oh, made such a wise investment over here. No, most of the time it's lucky, right? You, you, you do enough things and you grind away enough and then you wind up with an apple. And you earn, but wisdom comes with knowing what you don't know and not jumping. That's where the, those kind of things happen. And, and we all know it when we hear it and when we see it. It's just, ah, oh, okay, all right. It's an understanding that surpasses all the information out there. It's very rare, but once in a while, you have those inspirations, and you, but people can't be thinking that's what happens to them, especially when they're at home watching CNBC blare data at them. They are not getting any wisdom on this at all. So how do you filter? I mean, what do you read? How do you find wisdom? I mean, because not everybody can study this and live it and breathe it like you do all the time. I mean, this is your passion. It's more than just dabbling and trying to pick a good stock. I mean, this is what you live and breathe. So how does a person that doesn't spend that much time do this? They can't. Um, wisdom comes with uh, passion and deep learning. It does. And just spending time thinking about it because what do you think about? You think about your passions, don't you? Mm -hmm. Right? Okay. You think about your passions. You think about the people you love in your life and, and, and the things you like to do. That's where people spend their thought, usually, most of it, right? So we're spending a lot of thought there, and you're thinking about things. But you know it when you hear it, and you, listen, and you learn to listen to wise people. John Templeton, I knew, I knew he was wise. I didn't, I wasn't. I was just trying to get some knowledge and grow. And so if he said so, I knew it was so, okay? And so I did not need to go out there and reinvent the wheel. And, when, and I like listening to Warren Buffett, too. Not all of the things, and he's, he's tried to grow over the years, and some things he didn't do well, okay? He didn't embrace technology and technology companies anywhere near early enough. It took him forever to finally buy Apple. I mean, these are things that you don't want to miss every time, right? You want to learn to grow, and I think about that all the time. With the, what, what, what does deep thought bring for, for me and, and my passion in this industry is understanding that I grew up on the value side of things. 
Warren Buffett, that, you know, hey, this is a cheap stock relative to earnings and all those things, and never being able to own a company like Amazon or Google. Wrong. I own them all because I changed the way I thought about them. If they're growing fast enough, if they really do have earnings or they have cash flow that they're using to pour back into a business the way Amazon does, P.E. ratios are irrelevant. So you have to learn to evolve to different things in different times that we live in. And John Templeton said the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. He said the exact same thing. We have to learn and grow. And so I, I do, um, I think, you know, you asked the, the, the direct question, where? Okay, so Wall Street Journal. Why Wall Street Journal? Because it's non-biased. It's great information. It's just pure information. And the editorials are particularly good because they are the best minds. These are brilliant, brilliant people that just simply have a way with words and a way with thought. So they are the most brilliant people, and that is what I get from them every single day. Is a crazy thought to me. Okay, I don't have to read the whole paper, and most of it is worthless, honestly. But you're saying, well, what, how do I know? You don't know. You can't know. But you can plow in, and you can start creating the, your own sources, okay? And I can't listen to too much news. It's too angry. It's too wrong, especially in this divided time. I listen to a little bit, and I also move away from the bubbleheads on CNBC. I just don't listen. I know I've told everybody this before. I don't have CNBC on. If there's a good article or a good, you know, or somebody I want to listen to, a CEO talking about a company that we have a lot of interest interest in, I might want to get that clip. But I don't watch it all day. I don't listen to the radio all day. I don't get angry all day because that doesn't give me any clarity at all. I think one of the things you said too that I just wanted to touch one more minute on is value. I remember a long time ago, value was really founded. The investments had to pay you something to own them. But you did switch. You said value can be measured in different ways. It doesn't just have to be by being a, a dividend or income coming right. from that investment. And I thought that was very interesting, right? Just change the way you even look at value. Yeah, so. it's true. Yeah. Very, very true. All right. Next one. This First, I'll say what it is, which is constantly question. And then I'm going to add a couple questions to that as well. What do I know is wrong? What am I missing? And are the markets misleading me? So constantly question. There's three questions to throw at you right there. Good, good, good. And I'm going to say this also ties into the last one or your last comment as well. Okay. And that is questioning our methodologies. Right. Mm -hmm. Why are we doing what we're doing? I remember moments where I felt really like I was so out of touch. I mean, I'm like, am, am I faking it? I don't, I don't, I don't get it. It was 1999. Yeah, because I didn't get it. I didn't get the tech stock, the bubble. As it turned out, it was a, a bubble. I, I'm pretty sure we won't see again, right? Air.com went to the moon, and nothing with any value w wasn't working, and it made no sense. And it went on and on until it didn't. But I remember questioning that, okay? And, 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 when you, and also the methodology you just pointed out, you don't just buy value. You gotta be able to understand that growth can be value, and is, and is. Last week we talked a lot about it. Why don't I just own American stocks? Why don't I own the big guys? Why do I own little stocks? And why do we own emerging markets? Why do we own all these things? We, 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 why? Well, that's the way we've always done it. That's not very wise at all. It's not. So we don't wanna do that. So I, I'll run through these real quick. What do I know that is wrong? 
Um, this is a tough one because they're, they're, this is more like insight into the market, right? If, if, you, if you just think you know something that the market doesn't, first of all, be careful with that. That's a dangerous statement. Um, if I know that something is really wrong, that the market's perceiving it wrong, and I'll give you a, a quick one that comes into my mind is when s dividend taxes were cut a few years ago. It took almost a whole year for, the, for dividend stocks to, like, ramp up. Coming out of the shoes, like, the, the market's wrong on this. this is, these are worth more money today because of this tax cut. They're worth more, period. And it took a while, and then it, you know, it was a few months, I was all, but, but it took a whole year for it to go, uh, to have this surge, this big surge that we were all expecting. The market was wrong. You know, when we say, I'm back to, what am I missing? This, is, this just happened to us recently with Next Era Energy. What am I missing? I can't go plunging into this. This thing keeps going down like a rock every day. What am I missing? You know, I mean, I'm wrong. So what's going on here? And uh, so this, this is uh, something you've got to be asking and questioning everything all the time. What am I missing? And are the markets misleading me is another one. You just have to trust that the markets can be very, very short term uh, in, their, in their decision making. And, and, and this is also very advantageous. And I'll just give you one quick example. No names, but on the real estate side, throw out all the real estate companies out there. There's two of them we're buying. One has nothing to do at all with office buildings. Another one does. One's office buildings in Washington, D.C. They're 96% leased on extremely long leases because this is, these are the kind of buildings that they fly drones out of. Okay? They're not going anywhere. That has nothing to do with San Francisco's see-through office buildings. Nothing. But they're thrown in the office REIT bucket, and so they've been down in price. Not as much but still clearly down for no real reason at all. So markets aren't perfect, and you can read them. You can sometimes. And the other one is, has nothing to do. It has everything to do with logistics. That has nothing to do with office buildings. And they're all down. And it's interesting how they all get lumped in one sector, right? It is. All right. I think we need to take a break. Yep. All right. We'll be right back, and we're going through the 10 investing commandments according to Dave Petza. Hello, welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone with Dave Petzo today. We get to do a joint show. It's been great. All right, we're doing our 10 investing commandments right now. Uh, this one I really liked. And we, he, you did a podcast, or excuse me, a Zoom call several weeks ago. And you made this comment, and I think it fits really well with number six, which is think forward. And you said at that time, react to what the world gives us. That doesn't mean react in a way that's negative or overdone with emotions. But it also says, just because someone says we should do a 60-40, maybe we shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Maybe it doesn't make sense right now. Just because emerging markets is cheap, maybe we shouldn't own emerging markets. So there's things to think about when you say that, and that's why you have to react to what you're given and not just always stay the same. Like value, right? We were just right. talking about that as well. And then like another example you use that's really important is don't drive your car through the rearview mirror. Right. right? It's totally true. You really can't. I mean, it, you think about that and you say, well, uh, of course you don't drive a car through a rearview mirror. That, well, that works fine on a straight road until it turns. It works fine in a straight-up market until it turns or straight down or an industry or a company. You can't. It, it's, just, it's absolutely ludicrous. And nobody thinks that's a good idea, but that's how people do it. i got to get on that GameStop thing, right? 
the meme stocks. That's what they were all about. I'm missing out. Fear of missing out. So I'm going to buy GameStop at 100. What, are they, what is it they do again? Oh, yeah, they're, they're in the lo money losing, going out of business for sure, business of hardware on boxes, right, on game boxes, which has all gone to software. There's no reason for them to exist, and they won't. They're going the way of Blockbuster. They are. Everybody knows it, and they said that. But this goes on and on to, to the movie theaters, all these things. People feel that way. You don't drive it through the rearview mirror, and you have to be thinking forward. It doesn't mean you know the future, to your point. To your point. We don't know the future, but we have to be thinking forward rather than this is what happened, so it'll keep happening. It's way dangerous. Way dangerous. All right. So this one, uh, have a strategy, make a habit of rebalancing. I think this goes back to like dollar cost averaging that you also talked about last week. I remember our rule was don't look at your 401k more than once a year. Mm -hmm. So on your birthday, look at it and see if it's out of balance. But don't do it constantly, but make a habit of actually selling some winners to buy losers, but be smart about it. Yeah. You don't do it too often, right? You don't want to do it too often. It's, it's, it, it doesn't make sense. We're not trying to rationalize why something is, is, is out of whack over a three-month period unless something is totally out of whack, right? Like, I, I think we need to not own bonds right now because they're uh, going to be raising interest rates, whatever, okay? There are decisions you make. But again, this also helps you to not overtrade and not overthink it. And things tend to run in long cycles. So we want them to get a little out of balance. If, the, if stocks are working really, really well and you want to, you don't have to sell them all the time, let them run. Mm -hmm. And then when they're really out of balance, you're taking huge profits and you're moving to other areas. And you don't want this to be static either. You have to be, have, a, have a strategy, as, as it says. And it's just, this is a back to this, this happens all the time. The optics of a bad stock in your portfolio, it's crushing. And I hate to say this, but I have clients that I just don't own stocks for them. Won't. We have to hide them in mutual funds because otherwise they call. Why do I own this? Why do I own that? It's part of a portfolio. It's part of a portfolio. Some stocks aren't meant to go up a lot in price. They maybe have a high yield. Kinder Morgan comes to mind. It has a very high yield. I don't expect it to grow. It doesn't grow much. But it, I like their 7.5% dividend that they tend to raise every year a little bit. But it's not going to be a growth stock. And then on the other hand, you have in the same energy sector, you have a, a deep sea oil driller. You don't own that for the same reason you own Kinder Morgan, even though they're both lumped into stocks in the energy sector. So we, sometimes people look at that so wrong. And one's producing income, one's not, one's for diversification, one is for all growth. It, it is just, it, and also the, the bottom line is, sometimes you can sell things and just before they start working. That's the other problem, right? I've never seen that happen before, <laughs> right? Yeah. All right, this one I think, this one came to play for me actually in a meeting this week with a client. Um, have dif discipline, save first, spend second. We were walking through what you always told, and I remember when I, very first day I started working here, I was 20 years old, and you said you always pay yourself first. Mm -hmm. And you have to be disciplined to always pay yourself first. And they said, well, what do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, it's a very simple com concept, right? You'll always pay your bills. You'll always pay for your car payments and whatever else may be. Yep. But do you pay yourself so you have a secure future? Exactly. And an abundant future, right? It's not, it's, it's people always, oh, well, I don't really worry about it. You know, retirement's a long ways away, whatever it is. It's not, it's not just that. If you don't ever want to own your own business or 
follow your own path, then okay, you'll always have other people doing that for you because it takes capital to do it. It does. And um, it doesn't take much. I'll let you give that example. Um, it doesn't take much to make it happen. But when you lay down that discipline in your finances, it, t it tends to roll over to other things mm -hmm. you, where you, be you become a more structured individual. And you're just not tr twisting in the wind. I don't think anybody feels like as I get more and more mature, I want to you know, have no idea what I'm doing. And, and, and floating around from relationship to relationship or whatever it is, right? I mean, it's just, I, I want to be a flake. Nobody's like, I can't wait to grow up so I can be a flake and just do whatever I want. It's not really what we want as human beings. And so this helps us. It helps us stay on track. It doesn't take much. And it is so, so basic, so true. It's been around for so long to pay yourself first. I think we just all lose the simplicity of it. It's just that simple. I agree. Uh, but this is going to tie into number nine. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So have patience, get rich slowly. My, one of my favorite analogies you ever came up with, and I know this is because you see young people all the time with that Dutch Bros, that cup of coffee, yep. and you made the illustration of $5 a day, a cup of coffee a day, $150 a month is over $72,000 in coffee over 40 years. Or it grows to over a million. Yep. Oh, what? It's going to take 40 years. But you're only giving up $5 a day. Right. So isn't it interesting, though, right? That's getting rich slowly but very easily. That just mm -hmm. proves that anyone can do this. It does. And, again, we get back to that, why are people buying lottery tickets? It's just so stupid. It, does, it doesn't work. I mean, it is. It's, it's all these things that people spend money on. And, and you, everybody has their own choices, okay? I get that, all right? And I'm not saying never go out and have fun. Never buy a cup of coffee. Of course you should. As soon as you pay yourself first, whatever's left over, go ahead. But you got to understand what cost is. Everything you do has a corresponding is a corresponding choice. I really don't care about helping my kids get a college education. Nobody says that. But if you spend, even if you do it all on fun stuff with the kids, you're not saving up money. You've made your choice. So it is. It's just a choice, and people make their own choices. I just hope they do it with a pause and some wisdom. Okay. I think it's break time. Is it already? Yeah. Wow. I guess we'll do that now, and we'll be right back. Hello, and welcome back to Money Matters. Jennifer Stone and Dave Petza today. Thank you for joining us. We're working through Dave's 10 Investing Commandments, and we have two left. I know. You're going to say, I thought we were on number nine, but we have a bonus one as well, <laughs> and that one's super important because it matters so much. But before we get there, number 10 is make incremental changes. Yeah, this is a hard one for people. They, it's, it's like you, people are all or none. I, I, I liken this and to a, to a craps game where you're, where where it it starts going well and people are like they're pressing their bets, and it's okay sometimes to take some down, okay, or or not press. And because inevitably it's going to go bad, and it's the same thing when you have. All, all in stocks or you're all out. I'm so smart that I know it's all coming to the end, right? I've been, I have been spending extra time on Glenn, Beth, Glenn Beck Radio with all the end-of-worlders there are, okay? And I know a lot of stuff about why it's going to be over. So I need to be in gold and cash right now because it's all going away. And 
instead of saying, you know, I am really kind of concerned about the market. Let me say how we've done it this year, okay? We've gone down with, with the market here recently, but not as much. Why? Because we, with interest rates rising this year, we've been raising a little more cash. And some of the stocks that really took off at the beginning of this year, uh, it's like it feels like you're chasing them if you add to positions there. And so as cash builds up, dividends are coming in, we're tending to be a little more conservative with it. That's all. Does that say that we think the market's going to crash? No. Does that say we, I know what's coming? No. It says I want to have a little bit of dry powder when we get normal, certain to occur, over and over again all the days of our life, market corrections, especially in sectors. So when things go down in a sector or something like that, or they're just not coming up as much, I'll give you a quick one right now. Right. It's, it's energy. Okay, energy sector has not really responded that way. It's been down this year, and yet oil's like over $90 a barrel. If these things get dislocated. I mentioned the, the uh, uh, REITs that we looked at. Well, if I don't have any cash, I, I don't have anything I can put there and start my dividend reinvestment on these things that appear to be very, very cheap. And so that's why sometimes it's okay to just kind of let a little bit of cash, even though you know stocks are the best thing. Stocks are the best income plan. Always have been, if you can somehow just go through and sustain. But I feel like you can do it with a little less volatility and do it better when there really aren't a lot of bargains out there to let some of those dividends and stuff build up, especially since now, for the first time in 10 years, we can get some earnings on it. We're getting a 55 in money markets now. 6% on some of the short-duration funds. Six. I could, six was unimaginable 18 months ago, right? Mm -hmm. We were at zero. And so these are numbers that you can live with and say, oh, the 60-40 is not dead. It's back to life. It was dead for 10 years. Mm -hmm. But guess what? People are stuck on 60-40. But the 40 won't work. Well, you have to do that. Why? Why do we have to do something that won't work? Can we rethink this? And so this goes back to that, too, about making incremental changes in, in, in your portfolio. Don't make it all or none. You don't, you're not going to be right all the time. It's hard, it's hard to be wrong, right? Everybody wants to think that they're outthinking things, but you've always set some cash aside. That's mm -hmm. not different even now. You may just shift how you do things. Like to get out of an investment that continues to grow, you always shift the dividends to cash. There's so many ways to do this, mm -hmm. small things instead of big choices. Right. Right, exactly. All right, <clears throat> the last one, and this one really is important. So this is bonus number 11, and your health is more important than any of this. Don't worry. Don't let yourself be so stressed. Yeah. Yeah, you can. I, yeah, you can run with this one, too, because we, you, you see we meet with so many clients all the time, and they're just wound around um, what the account statement says and, and all these things instead of seeing the picture of how much income is coming in, Right. I remember, uh, boy, it was probably about a year ago. We were going through a, that tough period, right? And it probably was just about a year ago when the market bottomed. And it was just crazy. But, the, but this, this uh, client of ours had sold a business, not really a lot of experience, and was just crazy, we're going to run out of money. And it was a lot of money, right? Took the 10 stocks that were owned and went back 12 months ago. Nine of the 10 stocks had increased their dividend. The other one was the same. Nine out of 10. 
So even though they were all down in price, the income, which is all that matters to this person, was up. And we all know, we talk about this all the time, when you reach that point where people are, it's not like they're not looking, they're not engaged in the world, but they're not worried about it. They've gotten that weight off their shoulder. That's the purpose we have, is to relieve that. That's no question about that. And as you said, it doesn't really matter when people aren't healthy. Everything else is completely irrelevant, completely irrelevant. And I think part of that whole health picture, okay, and people have eating disorders, all these things that come up, but part of, the, part of that is, is really the overstimulus. It helps me a lot to not watch the news all the time. It just does. And I think I'm a better thinker because of it. I think I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more wise in my life and my decisions because I don't sit there and grind over the angry box. And I just highly recommend it. I'll share a quick story. This appeared on our honeymoon. My dad just had the same story when he went to Europe. Disappeared for a week. No newspapers, no radio, no nothing. My first observation when I came back was, wow, nothing changed. Literally, nothing changed. My dad, after two weeks, said, I remember you told me that. I got the Wall Street Journal in the, at LaGuardia Airport on our layover. Nothing changed. <laughs> I'll leave you with that. And Jennifer, you have any final thoughts? No, I think we covered it well. Um, if you have questions on this, though, let us know. Give us your comments. We'd love to hear what you feel on our commandments and see if you have any that you've set for yourself when you're investing, too. We'll be right back after the top of the hour with the last hour of the show.